0: Hey guys, Jacob from the Gems of History podcast here. I'm here with Evan, of course. Howdy, howdy. So we have a bit of an announcement. Uh, It's not a super exciting announcement, nothing super fun. But I mean, it is important and it's something that Evan and I have talked about already and it's something we feel is, it's the right time for it. So I'll kind of let Evan tell you what's what's the haps on that.
1: Yeah, yeah, so... This podcast, my thing about the last three years of my life, it's been such a incredible journey, uh, such an incredible thing to do with you know one of my best friends. Ayo. It's been such a fun ride. it's been incredible uh, however, just a lot of things you know outside of the show I mean of course we both have full-time jobs and mine is expanding um, to put it put it briefly and to summarize it uh, it's expanding and there's just a lot more that's required out of me so unfortunately uh, at the end of the year um, I will not be participating or be able to participate in the gems of history podcast anymore Uh, Jacob and I have had great conversations about it Um, it's I mean the future of the brand the future of the show I mean truly is very near and dear uh, to my heart. I mean, I wish I could do this forever. Um, it's just the time investment, the behind the scenes stuff. Um, it's just kind of kind of catching up, and I just don't have enough time and truly, I guess, resources. Not resource. That's not the right word. But basically, it all just comes down to how much time you have in a day and not being able to dedicate enough of it to the show to where it properly needs to be for people that subscribe to the Patreon who have been following us for the past few years. Um, My investment just hasn't hasn't been there and it's not fair to the people that listen to the show, the people that subscribe to the show, and most importantly, not fair to my co-host and best friend, Jacob. So um, that's kind of the summary of you know, where, how we got to where we are. And yeah, I mean, I love, truly have loved doing this. I mean, three years. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. This all started one hungover date for me. Yeah. Uh, with Jacob texting uh, Mark and myself saying, hey, do you want to start a history podcast? And we were all like, so just record our usual conversations. And yeah. Usual, like <laughs> nonsense. And, and it's been awesome to see like what it's grown to, how it's grown, all the interactions that we've had with people that listen to the show. It's been been fantastic, but you know, sometimes life just just happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got not only with work, but going to be getting married next year. So you got a lot of stuff going on. So right. I think I think it's understandable that you, you had to make a decision to cut something out of the the picture there. So totally makes sense. But
1: yeah. Yeah, and I know that Jacob, it, it, we, you are immensely talented. Thank like, you. You have such a great work ethic to go along with that talent as well, ranging from the editing, like that, or excuse me, the creepypasta episode, all the snaps and cracks in the background. <laughs> that was literally during recording, was me like saying, snap.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was or like, crack. all right, afterwards, I'll cut all that out.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like immensely talented individual, he does a great job of, you know, just truly putting the heart and soul into whatever he does. And I know that whatever the next venture is, whether it's continue on with the gems of history, whether it's starting a new brand, a new medium, I know that you'll have success with it. And you know, wish wish it all the best. Thank you,
0: brother. Appreciate that. I'm gonna miss you, but yeah, I'm I'm glad you are making this decision because you deserve to live your life the way that it deserves to be lived. So thank you for doing this a little, with me for the past three years. It's been crazy.
1: I think about it all. Like the life that's happened in the last yeah. three years, it's it's complete. Like my life is completely, oh, yeah. like our lives are completely different. Yeah, And it oh. is, I don't know, man, it is nuts to think about.
0: But yeah, as Evan mentioned, uh, so after we're done here, Gems of History, I think, is going to be shut down. I mean, the episodes will still be up, obviously. You can still listen to all of them. But the brand itself, I think that's going to be the end of the Gems of History. So I would like to continue on with something else, but we'll see in the future. I'm going to take a break from doing anything. Just give myself some time off. But after that, we'll see what happens. So maybe you'll hear from me again. But thank you guys truly for listening, for supporting us, for liking what we do honestly it does mean a lot to us we really appreciate it
1: but yeah so i guess that means we're on the final countdown we are the, so, so have to bring the absolute noise
0: absolute heat so i think we got like six or so episodes coming at you until all right. we're all done so yeah we're gonna end right around christmas time just so we don't have to carry into the holidays but yeah truly thank you guys so much uh yeah i think that's it all right mm. enjoy the episode
1: Was the Modelo Gatorade? It is a drink. It's, it's a am kind of
0: regretting the fact that I did it right now, but <laughs> I've I mean, made this bed and
1: I'm going to lie in it. You kind of have to. You bought a full Gatorade, you bought a six-pack of Modelo. <laughs>
0: Gotta make it I, right? I bought a 12-pack of Modelo, I just had the rest left over.
1: Ah, I see. All <laughs> just for one Gatorade. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, man, you know, Instagram gets it right sometimes. I'm not going to say that they were wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that there's better options.
1: Yeah, that is true. I mean, I, I do like that option. I don't believe in stuff like liquid IV. I yeah, think it's fake. I, think I know you've told me this. <laughs> it makes no, no sense. And so many people that I know swear by it. And they just read the back of the box saying, it gives you extra hydration. It's like, w- that doesn't mean anything. What do you mean it gives you extra, it makes you more <laughs> I, hydrated? Like, shut up. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't has electrolytes
0: sense. in it. I don't know what that means, though. Electrolyte
1: these nuts. <laughs> 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 Drink a Gatorade and grow up. <laughs> That's what I'm
0: doing. Drink your Gatorade with beer. Yeah. <laughs> like a real man. Like a real
1: man. The banquet
0: beer. <laughs> you know, I, uh, last time I tried it, I was also, I did get some like uh, Delta Mm. Delta Eight. What is it? Delta Eight or Delta Nine, whatever they're called. I got one of those. I'm
1: unfamiliar with that branch of the military. (laughs) (laughs) So I
0: I took one of those and then I was drinking this. So I think that influenced how it tasted Uh, the last time. Right, right. Now I'm seeing the error of my ways.
1: How was the spooky movie? Oh, it was good.
0: So we watched The Exorcist, which is classic. And then we, instead of watching, because we were going to watch one called His House, which mm-hmm. is on Netflix. And instead of that, we watched Talk to Me, which was the new mm-hmm. one that just came out recently. Yeah. It was really good. So, mm-hmm. would recommend. And then we watched, we actually watched three, because we, we started at like 5 p.m. and just watched oh. a bunch of movies. Right. So, we watched uh, the first scary movie at <sighs> the end. Top it off.
1: That is so perfect. I love that movie. It was so, so much. fun. Yeah. Seen any good movies since the last time we talked? We actually watched The Fall of the House of Usher. Ooh, is it good? It is good. I haven't
0: watched it yet. I got kicked off my family's Netflix, so <laughs> uh, I Netflix. have to find like a roundabout way to watch it now.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it's good. It's, if you're familiar, well, I know you are, but if you're familiar with The Haunting of Hill House, it's a lot of the same actors, uh, as well as like House of Bly Manor or whatever that one's called. Mike Haunting Flanagan shows. Yes, and it's very good. It's uh not well, I won't spoil anything, but it's it's very good. I would I would highly recommend Have you watched
0: Midnight Mass?
1: No, but I know that's one that you've recommended. It's the
0: best one out of the out of the three that I've seen of his shows. So but I've been seeing good reviews for Fall of the House Usher, so I'm excited to find a (laughs) probably not as legal way to watch it. Right. So yeah, we'll see about that. But
1: Hello everybody, welcome to, of not, of <laughs> welcome to the Gems of History Speaking of not entirely legal. And
0: welcome to the Gems History Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob
1: Shop, joined by Evan Roosh. Howdy, folks. How's your week been? It's been good. We have a stellar, stellar week coming up this week. So at the time of this recording, went to the Packer game, gonna see Shania Twain on Halloween, oh, wow. <laughs> which is so much fun. I can't wait for that. It's me, my fiance, my mom, and my sister. How let's many go, times girls.
0: is that going to be said?
1: Oh, a million. Yeah. I even have a shirt that says, let's go girls. I also so I love it. that
0: it's you and three women. Oh, yeah. You're just like, I'm the most hyped out of the group.
1: I'm so excited. Uh, and then Friday, we're going to the Bucks game. So a wow. l- lot of stuff yeah, going on. Yeah, you've got
0: on. a busy schedule.
1: Yeah, we do a lot of things. It's fun, but exhausting. But it's yeah. all really a fun things. So. Who, who do the Bucks play? They I are playing him. the Knicks. Oh, nice. Yes.
0: That'll be fun.
1: But totally random. But like, with whenever I see the Bucks, it's always the Knicks. Really? Like just like it happens. To, I've seen the Knicks in the last five years, I think like six times. Wow. Like, because just those are always the cheapest games on who was like it? SeatGeek. Who like it was it, the Knicks when. No, it was the Hornets. That's who it was. Yeah. I was yeah. trying
0: to think, was it the Knicks when we
1: saw them last year? But no. No, when they let up like 80 points in the first yeah. half. Yeah. They were, like the <laughs> they Hornets were friends.
0: on. They were on pace for like hundred and forty points. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. <laughs> they played the friends thing and just wouldn't get off the court. Oh my god, that was so uh, funny. Good times, good yeah. times. I don't have anything exciting coming up really besides Halloween party this week. Well, by the time this comes out, it'll be happened. It will have happened.
1: Yes. Fun. Hope you're all safe and uh, responsible, but also spooky.
0: Yes. Send us your costumes
1: dress up as Jacob and I.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, don't do that. Don't do that. No one will talk to you. Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) So, kind of fitting with the Halloween theme, we are doing our listener episode today, and if you couldn't tell by the title of the episode, we're going to be talking about Dia de los Muertos, or the Day of the Dead in English, and... Honestly, I'm going to say this right up top. There isn't a lot of really in-depth sources online, at least, that I could find on this. Maybe they're out there. I just couldn't find them. So I tried to scrounge everywhere and put together the most comprehensive I could on this topic. Mm -hmm. But in general, there isn't a ton out there on it. So it's going to be a little bit (laughs) <laughs> a little bit more light than our usual, our usual research.
1: I feel like that's pretty common with most holidays. Yeah, like If it's not for like a certain person, I mean, even Thanksgiving, I can't imagine if we'd have a ton of context there. It's like, they got together, had a feast, allegedly. We don't even know if that was a real Thanksgiving. Um, but yeah, that's about all oh, well, that's really available. But what if
0: the aliens were there? <laughs> Have you ever seen that South Park episode where they make fun of ancient aliens and like they talk about Thanksgiving and so Stan goes on the ancient aliens show and just starts talking like, what if it happened like
1: this? And they're all like, oh my god, I never thought about that. That's the best with alien type stuff because like we've covered several alien topics on this show. All of it is what if and then people, it has that shred of truth where it could be realistic. Yep. Except for the guy that had a threesome with two aliens. Hey, I in will, Antarctica, I will not. Ne- yeah, I will <laughs> never believe that man.
0: I don't, I don't think I will either. But he was also haunted by the Men in Black. So you that never know. Some people just have that that gift. I guess
1: it's called charisma. <laughs>
0: He's got that. He's got, got the, the supernatural riz. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not talking about aliens or Men in Black today. We're talking about the Day of the Dead. So before we even get into the topic proper. I just want to say right away, this is not the Mexican version of Halloween. If, if you think it is, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's basically its own thing. And a lot of people kind of conflate the two together because this is literally the day, at, like the two days after Halloween takes place in normal tradition. So it's November 1st and 2nd. And that's kind of why it gets all blended together. Plus, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who... When they do celebrate this, they do wear makeup, they wear costumes, they dress up, so it that's kind of how the two have gotten blended together, plus, it's all about death, and like that's typically what we associate with Halloween is like death and scary things, so
1: yeah, if you're not part of the actual culture and you don't have that additional context, I can definitely understand why some people I mean myself included oh, yeah. would also think, yeah, this is just like Mexican Halloween right there's a lot more to it there is. Uh, but that's just something I
0: wanted to get like out of the way right away because I uh, I don't want to forget to mention it as we're going. So yeah, it's it's a completely separate thing. It is a huge holiday in Mexico. I have a, a buddy from Mexico who I asked about it, and he's like, "Yeah, me and my family definitely celebrate every year. It's one of the biggest holidays in our area, and like we all really get into it. So it, it is a very important cultural touchstone for people in Central America." And, yeah, we'll talk about how we got there.
1: It's very funny, but just the differences in culture. Like, this is a festival, and like we'll talk about, it's a festival full of, like, celebrating the dead, but also, like, a lot of life. There's a lot of, like, colors, just that rich Mexican heritage, which is full of, like, life, music, like, excitement. And then us whites. <laughs> Or like Columbus, everything Columbus Day. Yeah. <laughs> or like Oktoberfest, which is tight. Don't get me wrong. But it's like lots of beer. Lots of beer. Yeah. <laughs> it's just just very, very funny. Beer
0: and later hosen. Yes.
1: <laughs> but yeah, and then Halloween for us is
0: just like everything has to be black. Nothing can be fun. No. It's all gotta be terrifying. Yes. And then they're just like, why don't you guys dance or something?
1: Right, right, right.
0: So yeah, uh, I guess let's uh let's get to the day of the dead. Despite changing a lot over the years, El Día de los Muertos or the Day of the Dead in English has always been kind of a recognition and a celebration of death. And that's one of the major differences too between this and Halloween is that it's celebrating death. It's mm-hmm. not a rever- it's it's in reverence of the fact that like there's a natural cycle to life. Everyone dies. Everyone's equal in death. Kind of that sort of thing. The indigenous inhabitants of Mexico like the Toltec, the Mayans, the Aztec people They kind of originated these celebrations long ago, and this is kind of where most people will tie it back to. It's not like a set in stone kind of thing, saying like, oh, they definitely had this set holiday just to celebrate like they do now. It's not like that. It's kind of just there was traditions in place that kind of blended with the colonial period Mm -hmm. of Mexico, and you ended up with what we have now. So that's where they kind of start the timeline. But when the Spanish arrived in the 16th century, they categorized the entirety of the native population pretty much under the Aztec label. And so, because that was, at the time, the millions of inhabitants of Central America and mostly Mexico were united under the Aztec empire. Mm -hmm. It's kind of fair to say that everyone was Aztecs, but at the same time, that's very oversimplification. Yeah, I would compare it
1: to like how everyone in the United States is like classified as an American even though there's a lot of additional genealogy behind it right whereas like with the mexicans for example it was just like they're the standing government like you mentioned they were like toltecs the me- or excuse me the aztecs conquered a majority of the people that were around them right so yeah they got in a box i mean it
0: you could compare it directly to native americans oh 100 yeah yeah. there's different tribes everywhere across the country but we we categorize them under one umbrella right that's kind of what the spanish did when they conquered the aztecs so the aztec empire kind of started in like 1427 is the best colonial period record that we have of when it began but that's kind of still too modern for when people track the Day of the Dead celebrations back to, and because it kind of started with like hundreds, if not thousands of years before, depending on who you want to talk to. According to Aztec mythology, they had a very wide pantheon of gods. Uh, One of those gods or goddesses was the goddess of death and the underworld. This is where I'm going to start to try and pronounce Aztec names. Yeah, you
1: texted me about this going into it. Props to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I put them all in here because I wanted to see myself struggle. I was going to ask you to struggle with your laptops not, not alive right now. So you oh, can't read my notes.
1: Very, very convenient. I see what you're doing over there. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: so the goddess of death and the underworld was named McTexia Waddle. I'm going to say that. And then her husband was mctlan utli Mictanic- M- Mick- Mictlan Ektutn. Mm, this one, no. We're going to call them. Mda. We're going to call them Mickey <laughs> and Lee. There we go. So they were the rulers of Mictlan, which was the Aztec underworld. And they were important deities to the pantheon of gods for the Aztecs because all souls were said to meet these two people, these two gods and goddesses, the god and goddess respectively, one day, no matter what, pretty much. Mm-hmm. The only exceptions were that. There was a special place for people who suffered violent deaths, women who died in childbirth, and people who were killed by storms or floods. They didn't go to the underworld. I don't know why. I didn't really look into it that deeply as to why that's the case. But those were like the three exceptions that didn't go to the underworld.
1: Otherwise, all of the souls ran through these two people. I thought you were going to say the only exceptions were the highborn, the rich, yeah. and the priests. <laughs> yeah, it, that's one interesting
0: thing. In the Aztec belief system, it wasn't just the righteous who would gain access to like a special paradise after they died or anything like that, but rather all people. They kind of shared the same destiny after death, regardless of the life that they lived. So that was kind of unique compared to like, well, I mean, we're used to a. Cr- christian-centric view of death and all that so yeah it's a very different outlook on and i I feel like that's not that uncommon when you get to like norse mythology and stuff like that i mean there's a bunch of different places the good people go to uh asgard other people go down to the meet hell right (laughs) hell so to nilfgar yeah there's just a bunch of like different
1: things so Mm, or niflheim but yeah
0: According to mythology, Mickey, who is the goddess, so Mickey's the goddess, Lee is the god, uh, Mickey was sacrificed as a baby and magically grew to adulthood in the underworld, and that's where she met and married her husband, Lee. Once again, I'm sorry, I just don't know how to pronounce these names.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm looking at them right now. I-
0: They're very tough.
1: Yeah. So... Mickey is often displayed with
0: flayed skin and a gaping skeletal jaw and is linked not only to death but also to resurrection. And that's another very key point of the mythology with the Aztecs was that it's literally a circle of life. Mm-hmm. So, death and resurrection are one and the same, pretty much. One myth about Mickey tells that the skeletal husband and wife actually collected bones so that they might be returned to the land of the living and restored to humanity by the other gods at some point in their lives. Mm. I mean, follow the story. She was killed as a baby, ends up growing to adulthood in the underworld. So she's like, I want to try living. Yeah. and then I would she's, love to take a crack at Can it. Can the other gods like throw me, literally throw me a bone on hey. this one? I don't think it ever worked out for her, but. In reverence to these underworld gods, the Aztecs would bury their dead with food, with precious objects, kind of trying to appease the gods and say, hey, this guy's pretty cool. Can you take care of him when he gets there? And as I mentioned, death was viewed as an essential part of that natural cycle of life and was essential for reincarnation. You had to die to be reborn. Pretty much like in Christianity, we have, the, we have Jesus, like he had mm-hmm. to die to be reborn, to clean everyone of their sins. It's kind of the same thing on a micro scale.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of similarities, a lot of parallels between the two, for sure.
0: Weird, religions kind of share similarities. That's, ooh, unheard of.
1: Whoa.
0: <laughs> uh, the view of deaths that Aztecs held was a lot different than Eurocentric views at the time. And they pretty much viewed death as something that allows you to live, meaning that you never really die. You, mm-hmm. I mean, you die in a sense. Your body goes in the ground, but you come back. More accurately than like never dying is that they viewed it as similar to kind of a sleep or a rest that allows you to regain energy and then come back. Oh, It's just a power nap.
1: Oh, I can't imagine how good that nap would feel.
0: <sighs> dirt nap. That's why they call it that. The dirt the Aztecs. nap. Aztecs. Yep. <laughs> After the long journey through the underworld, humans can then return to life on Earth once again. So, originally, the Aztecs celebrated the god and goddess of death through the entire ninth month of the Aztec calendar, not the Gregorian calendar that we use. And this was a 20 day month that corresponded roughly to late July and early August, if you would translate it to our modern day calendars. Today, archaeologists and historians know relatively little about what this month long celebration dedicated to the god and goddess of death was like, but they kind of guess, and the most likely guess, is that the festivities included things like burning incense, singing and dancing, and definitely feasting. We know for sure that food was a central part of it. The purpose of all these activities was to help welcome the souls of the dead back to the realm of the living. And despite being passed on, it was believed that these departed souls continued to play an active role in the living world, and they required sustenance, and they required those remembrance periods to ensure that not only was their well-being preserved after they were gone, but just their memory was mm-hmm. preserved after they were gone.
1: Oh, that's super cool. I never, never heard of this, of the uh, Aztec like belief system, the Aztec culture. Whenever you think of the Aztec belief system, it's like, oh, they were just pulling out people's hearts. Right. Which they did. But this is also another layer to it. Which we'll like, talk about. Too, so, Right. like This culture just has a lot of reverence and thinks about death quite often, but in a lot different way than we do definitely like in the west and with christianity and a lot of modern day religions yeah definitely and
0: i think that's kind of the it's common for especially for people like us who aren't native to these areas we don't learn about this stuff in the detail that we should like we don't know we we look at them and under a very simplified umbrella and i'll kind of get touch on that later but yeah there's There's just so much to how diverse all of these cultures were that we never really have... We don't have time, like Mm -hmm. honestly, to learn all of it in school. There's just too much to try and cover for a professor to dedicate just to that. Right. In addition to the feasting and the dancing, offerings were also made as well. These consisted of food, beverages, flowers, and other items that were placed at specific altars known as ofrendas, which were pretty much... They helped with aiding and appeasing the spirit world, kind of what I mentioned early, kind of what I mentioned earlier, with leaving things at your grave sites of your loved ones to send them on their way with gifts. Mm-hmm. And of course, as the Aztecs like to do, these also included human sacrifices in the festivities.
1: There it is. According to reports.
0: Up to 20,000 human sacrifices may have taken place at the Aztecs' Great Pyramid of Tenochtitlan as a display of their power over other central Mexican powers at the time.
1: Weird flex, but okay.
0: So, this is an like, extreme example, but it's just a story I wanted to say to kind of highlight this, this aspect of the Aztec culture. Because every time the Great Pyramid or the Great Temple at Tenochtitlan was rededicated when there was a new ruler, It was built onto, and then they had a huge display. And as time went on, these displays took on a new level of grandiosity. After a couple of disappointing reigns by some pretty mediocre rulers who kind of just got through on name alone, a new ruler named um, Ahuitzotl, the brother of the prior two rulers, he decided that he was going to change the family Status quo and actually do things. Hey. So he reclaimed all of the Aztecs' like former glory and their spot as the supreme power in the area. So he was kind of the one that really established the Aztecs as were the ones in charge. All of you around kind of pay tribute to us,
1: right? Right. Get listening.
0: So once he did this, this is the time that supposedly twenty thousand, or according to a different source, eighty thousand four hundred humans were sacrificed at this rededication of the temple.
1: That's so many hearts. <laughs> yeah, That's so much blood. Ew. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I, I found this mostly in a Reddit thread. Someone, uh, there's a, a scholar that kind of talked about it, and he pretty much said, like, the question... That was posed was how did they clean up that much blood? Honestly, like, there would literally honestly. be rivers of blood if that was true. And so he kind of breaks it down and says this probably wasn't true, but at the same time, most of the people that were sacrificed were captives from military campaigns. So if you just reclaimed all of this former glory, you would have a lot of captives. And Ahuitzotl mobilized the entire city of Tenochtitlan, which was said to be about two hundred thousand people, to observe the ceremony. So if you have all of those people working in concert with one another to make this a swift process, maybe you could do that.
1: I mean, their city was also in the middle of a lake. That is true. It's a quite frankly, a marvel of engineering of architecture. Yeah, it's crazy. But ew.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they just had an aqueduct into the river or into the lake that was just flowing with blood. Then everyone got sick. (laughs) So yeah, it's it could be true, but This example of Aztec human sacrifice is almost certainly exaggerated. Like, It it could have been thousands. It could have been in the thousands. Probably not 20,000, though, Like, Mm -hmm. not double-digit thousands. But I just wanted to tell that because it kind of shows how badass the Aztecs were, first of all. But also, it shows that human sacrifice was a central part of the Aztec culture. Mm -hmm. As an extension of that, it was included in the Day of the Dead celebrations. So it's not far-fetched to think, hey... We already do this. We're celebrating life and death. Let's kill some people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> emphasis on the death.
0: And just as exciting as that was the tradition of creating masks that represented departed loved ones, departed loved ones, and then you would wear these masks and do dances called Danza de los Viejitos or Dance of the Old Men.
1: Oh, okay, old men pop lock and drop. In. Oh,
0: yeah, they're doing the stanky leg out in the middle of like <laughs> in the streets. All right, we had a scare with the dogs, so Evan had to go leave, so ad goes here. All right, we're back.
1: Hey, and we're back. (laughs) And I got a fresh Modelo. Hey, Hey, Modelo time. I'm drinking some tequila, so very on brand. Tequila. Okay, where were we? Oh, yeah, Dance of the Old Men. So, yeah, they would make
0: like masks representing the loved ones that had departed, put them on, and then they would do fun dances. But eventually the mean old european folks had to come and ruin the fun like As they do, we do oh jinx or at least they tried to ruin the fun when the spanish showed up in mexico it took a lot of convincing to get the indigenous people to do away with their culture and traditions
1: wow you're kidding crazy <laughs> our entire way of life <laughs> changed in
0: an instant huh so to give a really brief summary like a grade school history summary of how the Spanish took over the Aztecs, Hernan Cortez was sent to Mexico by the Spanish governor of Cuba in the early 1500s. When he arrived, he found that the Aztecs were indeed the ruling authority in the area, but that the other tribes who were underneath the Aztecs were beginning to despise the Aztecs for basically making them pay tribute to them. So, Cortez initially marched into Tenochtitlan, which was, as I mentioned earlier, the center of Aztec power. It's this honestly marvel in the middle of a lake. And he was actually received with honor. Him and his guys were all received with honor because the Aztec leaders thought that these Spanish people may be gods who were fulfilling an old prophecy.
1: It's not a bad welcoming ceremony, not a bad, like, first impression to think that you're a god.
0: Like, I'll take that. Yeah. When I meet new people, they never do that.
1: I know. I never get bowed to. (laughs) Whenever I
0: walk into a new bar, they just glare at me. Yeah. (laughs) So Cortez, after being honored, left the city to go meet up with more additional Spanish forces that were getting sent. And when he returned, he found that all of the men that he had left were being, well, were attempted to be kicked out of Tenochtitlan by the Aztecs. So the Aztec chief after some prodding from Cortez, got up in front of all these people, said, guys, stop trying to get rid of these Spanish people. And then they threw stones at him. And then he died. So that didn't work. And then Cortez and his men attempted to escape in the middle of the night, but were discovered, and a lot of them died. So then they came back later with ships and some of the other local tribes and then captured the city.
1: Yeah, that is a great summary of it. And that story is absolutely fantastic. It has the infamous... Cortez burning his ships, which may very well be a myth. Right. But it's, it is crazy, like the history and the context of how that, how it got to a place where, yeah, now you have to get rid of your culture.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And it's crazy too, because, like, also shout out measles. The
0: (laughs) guy that got stoned pretty much was the most famous Aztec ruler pretty much. Yeah. Like, and they just threw stones at him and then he died in bed pretty much.
1: They were pissed. Yeah,
0: that's, it's a rough way to go. So of course, as is the case with the colonization of the United States and other places, a lot of the native people were killed. This is not just saying like killed by conflict, but as is natural, it's due to diseases. But Cortez definitely set a precedent for violence in this area. And some estimates put the number at around 90% in Mexico and Central America of the death toll. So Mm -hmm. similar to what happened in the United States with the Native Americans here. Yeah, just very tragic and very devastating in a very short period of time. In addition to bringing death and destruction, these new colonizers also brought their religion and their culture. The missionaries, along with Cortez and the Spanish emissaries, immediately set to work attempting to convert the native people to Christianity, and it did work fairly well compared to other places, but not as cleanly as the Spanish had hoped it would. Because instead of completely abandoning their ways, these indigenous groups in Mexico decided that they were going to assimilate some tenets of Christianity into their already existing beliefs, which kind of happens all the time.
1: Right. I mean, it happens, like even when at the, the very start of Christianity in Europe. Yeah, like it got integrated into Roman culture, got integrated into um, Byzantine culture, even in England when it got to there. It got integrated in their culture in certain ways and so it just kept on building and building like as it has wherever it's went
0: yeah and then you get to when the the uh, original people came to the United States, like they changed the religion completely right so it it's just how it works when you get a new you get a new area to settle in you get new people to interact with everything blends mm-hmm. So with all of this blending going on, once the Spanish kind of realized this isn't working right, uh, they decided that the best way to work around these existing cultural identities of the people that were already there was to take the observances that they had and kind of mold them into the Christian calendar. They kind of just moved things around. So to do this, the celebration that was observed in the ninth Aztec month, which I mentioned earlier, honoring Mickey and Lee. That was moved to the beginning of November, the first and the second. Specifically, they were made to coincide with the Christian holidays of All Saints Day and All Souls Day, which were feast days that were honored by the Catholic Church.
1: wonder what the realization was when they realized, like, wait, we have something like that. Yeah, exactly. Due to November. <laughs> right. We honor some dudes that, like,
0: maybe did some miracles. Right. And then just everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So in essence, this ended up turning into kind of a cultural mashup at the end of the day. Uh, The celebration honoring the dead did continue, but was now tinted through the film of Christian influence. That's kind of how it ended up going. But no more human sacrifices were allowed, although a certain amount of the original practices like feasting, honoring the deceased, the kind of the major tenets were still maintained. Just no more killing people. You know what? It took a lot of people to die to get them to
1: stop killing people.
0: (laughs) As the years carried on into like the 17th centuries and onward from there, the traditions of how Dia de los Muertos was celebrated began to change. The Aztecs had, even before the Spanish, had used the anthropomorphization of food to help represent the dead. And if you don't know what that means, because that's a big word, basically they had food in the shapes of like, human representations, like skulls, oh. little, like, figures of people. They would mold food into, like, certain shapes like that. So they've been doing that for a while, but certain regions of the Spanish-controlled lands in Europe maintain similar practices. Like, they would put candles and bread on tombs for All Souls Day, and sometimes this included marzipan or other sweets, which was likely, that's where it was brought to Mexico and then merged with their already kind of interesting food traditions where they would make it look like people mm-hmm. so you fuse the two and then eventually you get things like sugar skulls which is one of the central things in yeah. tradition today so that's kind of where they think that all originated from
1: that is very interesting the blending of the culture even though these were definitely conquerors yeah and the blend did seem non-violent again the start of it was very violent don't get me wrong but the actual blending of it does seem non-violent
0: for the most part yeah i think once people realize like i don't don't think we stand a chance against these guys they kind of just gave in and then
1: oh and 90 percent of your population gets wiped out by disease
0: and then i mean they did get away like they Mm -hmm. they blended a lot of it at the beginning and then once the Spanish kind of allowed that, I think they just kind of said, Well, as long as you'll give us some leeway, we'll just keep using that until we get to a spot where you sell us no. Right. So I think that's kind of how you have to do it in the situation that they're in. Do
1: you think there were still some people like on the side in secret doing human sacrifices? Oh in yeah. the initial transition? I would assume so. Yeah. I mean it's Me too, you yeah. can't just monitor everything all the time. So Right. It's like where did Jerry go? Oh, well, he, 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 uh, the people in skulls. The sun god's real happy. Let's just. <laughs> yeah. Say that.
0: In addition to like that blending of the food traditions, clothing, and art kind of began to change as well as is natural. And another carryover from the Spanish culture, or the European culture into their art was the image of the dance of death. So if you don't know what the Dance of Death is, it's an, it was really popular in the medieval period, kind of when the plagues and stuff were all going around, and then it carried on into like the 15th century a little later on. But it was basically imagery used that showed skeletal figures together with humans, and it was a way to show that everyone's equal in death. It was just kind of a reminder of that. So you get skeletons dancing with people, eating with people, just doing everyday tasks with people, mm-hmm. and that's what the Dance of Death eventually
1: became labeled as. Oh. So nice little slow integration. It's like death isn't that spooky.
0: Exactly. I mean, when all of your neighbors are dying of an illness and you're just like, hey, the king's dying too. Did you guys see that? Yeah. (laughs)
1: Equals. (laughs) Yay.
0: But we're still not going to have a middle class. Yeah. As the Spanish moved into Mexico more and more, these types of images became adopted by the Mexican people. And considering how devastating the death toll was by the 17th century due to like the diseases like smallpox and just the conquest in general, the images of death were already an ever-present fixture for these surviving peoples. And some scholars saw this as a way for these people to try and cope with this tragedy that they're living in and try and continue to find a way to keep it spiritual and make it not humorous, but like find some sort of thing to relate to and make it a little less harsh on your mentality (laughs) like all of your all of your friends are dying so you have to try and find some certain way to make this palatable i guess
1: yeah you gotta bring some joy into it
0: yeah as the years carried on slowly but surely the day of the dead celebrations transformed from their original roots into kind of what we know them as today it took a lot of time but there's not a lot of real milestone points or key points to hit in this transition. So it's going to be, from here on out, pretty much talking about how we got to big parades and we got big music festivals, stuff like that.
1: We have Disney movies and Pixar movies Exactly, about we got Coco. Yeah, which a banger of a movie.
0: Beginning in the roughly 1740s, the earlier traditions truly began towards what we have now, And this is when sugar figurines began to feature more heavily in the festivities. And then by the 19th century, skulls were pretty much a focal point in the iconography of the Day of the Dead. One of these images, which would become kind of the most famous, is that of what's known as La Catrina. And it's pretty much an artwork that was created by one guy named Jose Guadalupe Posada, and it depicts skeletal figures of upper class people, most of the time it's a woman, who were kind of ashamed of their origins and decided that, hey, I'm going to try and dress more like these European people, mm-hmm. and kind of toss off my heritage that I had. And so he used this as kind of a, a social commentary, as like we're kind of straying from the things that we're supposed to be honoring, right? Stuff what like got that. us here? Yeah, yeah, and. It also just kind of was a political commentary, because there was dictatorships going on at the time that you couldn't really openly mock and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it was a way for them to use art as a way to portray certain things. Like, if you're in the know, then you know what this means. But right. If you don't, when... it's just a cool skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't also political, but it was... It was a way for the Mexican people in general to point out glaring contradictions and new public policies, because for a time, and it still kind of goes on today, there's a movement known as Indigenismo, which it kind of pushed to highlight pre-Hispanic culture. So like before the Spanish got there, it, it began to push that culture through different art, through different dances, through architecture. So kind of going back to the roots before they were colonized. But at the same time, it continued to discriminate against and simplify the diversity that those cultures held. So mm-hmm. at the same time, it was kind of a backhand compliment. And this was another commentary on that was like these skeletal women who were dressing in the like European clothing, but were still hanging out around like Mexican and different Central American settings.
1: Very interesting.
0: So, one point that Europeans like to focus on was the idea that Mexico, from the time before they were colonized and after, had a certain like obsession with death, Mm -hmm. that they were very morbid. They like focused too much on it, pretty much. I think there was a story of an art exhibit from Mexico that went over to Europe and everyone was kind of shocked. Yeah. Because there was like skeletal forms of children and stuff that they were using in their artwork. So, all these Europeans are like, oh my gosh, it's too spooky. That's (laughs) a child skeleton. But this is kind of my interpretation of it. The way I see it, saying that they had a unique relationship with death is certainly true in a way, but that's one more way to minimize and simplify the culture of it. Because on the surface, the statement that they had a unique interaction with death might imply that pre-colonial Mexican cultures were all about death. Like, that's all they did. And the activities that they had were all surrounding death. But not only is this not true, it also is a useful way to portray these people as less civilized, more, more, more barbaric in a way. It's another way to kind of degrade them in an innocent way, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, I mean, we used it in North America as well. Like, For example, the Comanche, like they just horse. Every single day is horse, 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 yeah. horse. Like, there's more to the culture, like the Iroquois, it's like tomahawk. That's it. That's all it knows. Like feather in the back of the head. So it's like stereotypes used to dilute their culture, to make them seem like you, like you mentioned, portray them in a certain way. That's barbaric. That's uncivilized. Just you know, white people stuff. It's
0: saying like <laughs> we need to get in there so we can
1: help these people. You know, we like need our missionaries stuff like there. that. They need us.
0: So if you. If you aren't kind of understanding the point I'm trying to get across, think of it this way. Using the Aztecs as the example again, saying that they had a unique relationship with death is kind of like saying they had a unique relationship with food. Mm. So nowadays, it's clear that Mexican food has its own distinct trademarks, obviously. But the reason that it has those unique characteristics is because the people that were there used the environment and the resources that were around them to influence that culture. And it's the same way with death. Like, they just had a different environment, they had different things going on around them that influenced how they viewed life, how they viewed death. The indigenous people of Mexico and other parts of Central America had their own traditions, their own spiritual connections to death. And that's true of everywhere in the world. It's just that it wasn't the same as the people that came in and conquered them.
1: Right. In all reality, just about everyone lives the same life. Like, you are born, you have a life, then you die. And then the context that's around you informs how you either celebrate, how you hate, like the life cycle. Yeah. It's, what, it's how you like come up with different beliefs, different moral compasses, like everything. Yeah. So it's very interesting that that's like the unique, death is the ultimate, like It's a great equalizer. It's a great, right? thank you. Thank you. That's what I was going for.
0: As the Day of the Dead artwork began to attach itself to the culture of Mexico, poems and paintings kind of became entrenched in the celebrations after a while. So skeletons and skulls were used heavily to once again portray that equality of all people in death. And also, it was now a way to insert humor and insert fun into these celebrations. You get these fun artworks. You Mm -hmm. get these fun poems that kind of poke fun at different aspects of your culture that you may or may not agree with. So it's kind of, it's working on multiple fronts. As I mentioned earlier, sugar skulls are now one of the most well-known icons of Dia de los Muertos. And they're easy and fun to make. You can, like kids in classrooms do them a lot of the times. You can decorate it however you want. And they're easy and fun to display too. And that's kind of one of the biggest things because these fun trinkets and the branding it opens up a huge opportunity to commercialize this holiday. that's right. And that's kind of how the Day of the Dead has become adopted worldwide. Tourism is truly what has made the Day of the Dead kind of a mainstay in not only Mexican culture specifically, but all over the world, especially in the United States. There's a huge contingent of the population that will celebrate the Day of the Dead. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is in the Latinx culture that just kind of want to get a slice of home again. But... Making it a national holiday in Mexico, it was easy enough then to export that culture across the world. As a quote by Stanley Brandis, who wrote for the University of Berkeley, put this, quote, "...the impact of tourism has been to convert a relatively minor ritual event in which a small proportion of the town participated and virtually no outsiders showed much interest." Into one which thousands of city people clog the streets with traffic, television cameras flood the cemetery with glaring lights, and the town becomes more or less a great stage prop for a ritual drama. In this drama, native townspeople participate as actors, but outsiders run the show. End quote.
1: Interesting. So it really is commercial, or it has gone to the point of commercialization to the point where it's... Making great money. Oh yeah, for sure. As
0: I'll get to in a little bit. Like a lot of their G like their a lot of what they make during this season comes from this Mm -hmm. celebration. As the years carried into the late twentieth century, the Ministry of Tourism began to introduce cultural performances like theatrical plays and regional dances, which would entertain tourists as they visited for the holidays. In addition, craft competitions, open air marketplaces, and even Rock music festivals were included in the festivities. And with so many artistic representations to signify the holiday, it became extremely marketable. Cultural events and heritage in one city in Mexico made up about 30% of the tourism economy in 1996, proving that it was so commercially successful.
1: Wow, that is pretty incredible. That Or 30%. Yeah.
0: It, I mean, it's, it's easy when you think there's a lot of iconography that you can... You can franchise, mm-hmm. pretty much, and, and you can sell it. And it's little things, these little sugar skulls or representations of sugar skulls. It's easy enough to throw back in a carry-on bag and take home with you. So right. that's, it's, it's just a very easy way to market. But that's not to say that this holiday has lost its meaning. Because today, El Dia de los Muertos is still a way for families to honor their ancestors, to honor their lost loved ones. But it just depends on how you want to go about it. Some people still choose to go about it in a solemn and unassuming way where they build an altar and spend time in prayer with their loved ones, but others do have full-on parties or parades and celebrate death that way, keeping the memory of those that they've lost alive in in a different way, just a more festive, more colorful, more loud way. (laughs) Right. Once again, as Brandis put it, quote, No special Mexican view of death, no uniquely morbid Mexican national character has yielded this mortuary art. Rather, specific demographic and political circumstances originally gave rise to it, and commercial interests have allowed it to flourish into the 20th century." And in a way, this is truly what El Dia de los Muertos has been about. Change. The change of states from life to death. The change of culture when colonial influences take hold. The change of celebration from local to international. This holiday has always been a way to embody old traditions and not only embody them, but build upon them, which has made it the rich and the colorful celebration that it is today.
1: I want to go to one so bad. I know, right? This sounds like so like much Like a genuine of, one. Like a genuine, like... Oh, it's be so fun. Just to like watch and observe, because it's like I mentioned at the top of the episode, it's so different than anything that we've ever celebrated. For sure. You know, it would be so great to see like a genuine celebration like this.
0: And like looking at pictures of the parades and the outfits oh, yeah. that people wear and the, the makeup they put on, it looks so good. It's so well done. And you can tell that it's very important to them to like mm-hmm. do this well, like really show out for it. So for sure. Yeah, I definitely would not be opposed to going and witnessing it one day. One day. It'd one be day. super fun. Yeah. But yeah, that is uh, El Dia de los Muertos.
1: Yes, another great episode. If you want to continue the conversation about this episode or any of our episodes, you can do so on x at gems underscore history. You find Jacob at Jacob from Isco, myself at Evskys. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. And that's it. Yeah. Just search Gems of History podcasts, and you can find us.
0: Yeah, and uh, as we... As you probably heard in the intro, since we're kind of going to be wrapping things up here in the near future, you can still subscribe to the Patreon if you want to. I'm not going to say that you, you shouldn't, but it just know that you're only going to be getting like a month's worth out of that $5 that you're giving us, which we still would appreciate a lot. But yeah, it's, we'll be wrapping all that up once we're done and Mm -hmm. we'll make sure that no one's still getting charged for (laughs) for their Patreon after we're all done here. So yeah, but thank you guys so much for uh, the people that have donated already. If anyone does donate in the time between now and then, thank you for that. But yeah, so just another note to add on the end there, but I think that's all we got for you guys this week. We got another full month coming at you next month, so be ready for that. We got some They're very expansive topics and also topics that are very controversial.
1: We got some heaters. Yeah, we got some heaters coming up.
0: (laughs) And there's like literally no way that we're going to cover them in the extent that we that need to be covered in. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're going to give them the gems of history treatment and we're going to try our best to give you a a little bit of a perspective on some things. So you betcha. Look forward to that. (laughs) Uh, thank you guys for listening thank you guys for being on this journey with us we love you guys and stay polished